welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigars and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin, and I'm joined as I am every week by a man who, th- on his last road trip, thought he was making a detour to see the world's largest thermometer, but it really was just a United Way fundraiser from 1996, Mr. Shane Reeves. You're right. That wasn't very funny, but I'm glad that it made you happy. So w- here, here's where this came from. I was driving into town tonight, and you know, I grew up in a small town, and Spring Hill is still kind of a small town. And I was driving in from the south side, and in the front yard of some business was one of those old... Do you remember? The, every oh, yeah. business used to do this. Oh, yeah. There'd be a thermometer. Goal raise. And their goal raise. I have not seen one of those in two decades, except for the one in my hometown that is still there from about 1992. And I just... It was just one of those things. It made me smile. It made me laugh, because I have not seen one of those in forever. It's kind of a rural America thing. Yeah. You know, down in Savannah, Tennessee, where mom and dad live, there's always one of them up for one charity or another. Yeah. So there's always something. So if anybody hears odd traffic noise behind us, we're sitting outside of the cigar shop tonight because it's a beautiful night and we don't have many more nights we'll be able to do that. No, I've been every night this past week, uh, I've been able to, after I put the kid to bed, go outside and sit on my porch and smoke a cigar. It's been wonderful. Well, Okay. What is the point of having a noisy-ass vehicle? <laughs> so we were talking about this before we started recording, especially the motorcycles that feel the need to blast the radio at a decibel level akin to an F-16 taking off. Right. I I, I personally don't get it. I and, don't either. And I'm deaf. Like, well, I, I could, my radio is loud in my car. Should you not be able to pop that into your helmet? You should be able to, and you can. So here's the thing, and this, this comes up in cycling groups all the time is there's there's this myth that wearing headphones while operating a vehicle particularly a a bicycle or a motorcycle is unsafe because it blocks your ability to hear things around you it's total bullshit there's there's nothing to to validate that position but at the same time i kind of get where they're going from or where they're coming from rather but it it's if you're just going to make your pipes or your radio so loud that you still can't hear anything around it, that's no better. Just well, put it in your helmet. When I buy a truck, when I go to shop for a truck, I get in that truck, and when I shut the door, I would like to have no idea the engine is on. Right. You want the Rolls Royce of trucks. I want it quiet. Yeah. I don't want racket. And then you see these guys whose trucks make sound like a semi and they're driving, you know, a Ford Ranger. And you're like, dude, what are you compensating for? It's so I put all terrain tires on my on my Jeep because I had this delusion that I was suddenly going to become an off road kind of guy, even though I've been a street performance driver my whole life. And. But I finally had a vehicle that was kind of meant to go off-road. And I was, I was like, okay, I, I, I'm getting rid of them. I absolutely hate it because, I, and I even, I took my entire interior out and I laid down that Dynamat soundproofing right. material. I've put, put it in the doors, did the whole nine, did not make a difference because the tires are what's making all of the noise. And it's unbearable. I'm getting rid of them. I, I can't, I couldn't imagine voluntarily deleting the muffler off the car and putting on the big loud tires and doing all that stuff to make it louder and just less comfortable to drive. Well, was, were you not loved enough as a child, guys? Is yeah. that the problem? Do you need attention that desperately? That's one of the problems. We all know what the other problem <laughs> yes, is. Yes, the other, the other problem has to do with how far you stand away from the toilet. Yeah. But anyway, okay, let's talk about our cigar first, and then I got some more complaining to do. All right. <laughs> also, do you, th- that's why you miss the podcast, isn't it? Because you don't have a good outlet to just complain this is a lot like therapy for me and i and i need some therapy this week i'm re- i really in <laughs> desperate need of therapeutic help this week and i'll we and i'm oh, a lot less than a hundred dollars an hour by the way we did miss last week and we apologize but trey decided to try some gas station sushi i i wish so yeah i was violently ill 
And it just so happened that by the time I was on the mend, Shane was headed out of town. And then by the time he got back into town, my wife was out of town and I, we didn't have anybody to watch the kid uh, other than me. So we couldn't make it happen. So I did feel a little bad. We were like, no, we promise we really are back this time. And then we immediately miss a week. <laughs> then we immediately miss a week. But we're, we're, we're working on it hard as we can. I, I've <laughs> got to say, though. You know, I was I I posted to a neighborhood Facebook group uh, the restaurant that made us so sick because it was it was food poisoning confirmed by the ER. And if you know anything about me, you know the fact that I let my wife talk me into going into the ER tells you how sick we were. And you know, of, of course, there's always that pious, high and mighty person that says, "I can't believe that's what you get for eating fast food." Here's the deal, folks. I eat Wendy's at least once a week, most of the time, twice a week. And I definitely eat fast food two to three times a week at a minimum for the last 10, 12, 15 years. And this is the first time. So if you calculate all the times I've eaten fast food in the last 15 years, my percentage rate for getting sick is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, (laughs) even the best cigar manufacturer in the world is eventually going to send out a cigar with the a little plug the or, weevils. Yeah. You know, we had it in here happen the other day. Um, one of the guys says, hey, what are these little holes in the cigar? I said, quick, get that box out of there. Check the other boxes from that manufacturer. It's weevils, and we don't want them to get into the rest of the humidor. Right. And, all, and of course, he called the guy, and the guy said, yeah, hey, I'll bring you some new ones. Please take them out of the humidor. Get them away. Eventually, any cigar manufacturer is going to have that happen. Yeah. There's not enough quality control in the world that that's not going to happen. If you build a house in Tennessee, you're going to have mold. Right. It's just, it's part of life. It's going to happen. And the same thing, for no reason other than it just happens to be your time, you're going to catch food poisoning every, you know, once or twice in your life. Yeah. That's just part of it. You know, I, I have not eaten fast food since. I will tell you that. I've, I caught food poisoning at O'Charlie's back, heck, it's been 18, 19 years ago. And I still can't eat shrimp at O'Charlie's. I, that was your first problem, right? <laughs> well, sure. All right. So let me tell you about this In cigar. Tulsa, Oklahoma, no less. <laughs> so this cigar, this is the Caldwell Lost and Found Halloween Edition. So here's how we ended up with this cigar. Um, we wanted to do the annual monster game here. And Tatawahe, and I'm going to bag on Tatawahe here for a little while. We're a new account for Tatawahe. We don't sell a lot of their cigars yet. We would like to, and we're working in that direction. But we call Tatawahe, hey, we just need, talk to our rep, we just need one box of the monsters for this monster game that's been going on for five years. Yeah. That was longer this, than that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, conservatively five years. This is, that's all we need. It's, it's a tradition. Right. It's, yeah. I couldn't possibly get that for you. Couldn't possibly do it. So now, as the poker commissioner, I'm over a barrel. Because I could go up to Bell Mead and buy a box of Drax and bring them down here, and we could have played for that. And the management would have let me. But, one, I don't want to bring cigars that I didn't buy here into here. Right. Two, I don't want all the guys at the poker game thinking it's okay to do that because they let me go do it. Right. So I Although said, you could have you could have lied about that. You could have let them believe that the rep came through for you. I could have, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I try not to lie unless absolutely necessary. That would have been absolutely necessary. Uh, so anyway, so I look and Caldwell Lost and Found Halloween Edition 2022. Know the Caldwell rep well, Jonathan. I said, Jonathan. Can you get me some of the Caldwell Lost and Found Halloween editions? We have those? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he goes through the effort, and of course he says, hey, minimum orders, five bundles, but here's the deal. Whatever you don't sell, I'll buy back. We'll make it work out. Well, you know, Jonathan being yeah. going out of his way. So I went Doing out the my, good rep thing. Yeah. So I went out of my way to be sure we got them all sold for him that night. We made it all work. It all worked out beautifully the way it should. It just mm-hmm. took a little more effort than it should. But during all of the finding and the getting and the hunting, we never stopped to question, was it a good cigar? <laughs> Literally, I have not smoked one of these yet. This will be the first one of these I have smoked. And what these are, these are from the old Provada Club. Okay. Caldwell used to make these for the Provada Club, and the Provada Club 
there was a misdealing between them and Caldwell, and they decided to part ways. And since they decided to part ways, he had these, so he put them out as a Caldwell Halloween cigar. I've not liked Provada Club stuff. Yeah. So I was highly dubious about it. So tonight I'm saying, okay, I promised Jonathan I would smoke one and see how they are, so I'm going to smoke one and see how they are. And in the event that it's a terrible cigar, I don't want to be smoking it by myself, so I bought one for Trey. (laughs) (laughs) It draws tight. Mm. Are you noticing that? For a Robusto. Yeah. And I'll, but it's not bad. The flavor. No, it's on it, not. You know, um, some one of the guys that smoked it, he said he didn't like it real well. Um, but someone whose opinion you trust on the matter? No. Okay. No, he likes the tabernacle. He loses all credibility with me when he. You likes, like the tabernacle? I've never liked the tabernacle. You, you have constantly said it's the one foundation cigar worth smoking. No, I've always said the Charter Oak is the one foundation okay. cigar worth smoking. The tabernacle is like licking a skunk right in the ass. <laughs> so fair enough. I just I, I can't and and here's the thing. Here's what I hate about the tabernacle. Not only does it suck, it's pretentious about it. <laughs> it can't just quietly be a bad cigar. It has to loudly be a bad cigar. <laughs> and all, but but there's a lot of people that like the tabernacle. There are. But, it, it's their bestseller, and and I think it's I think it's perfectly fine. I don't love it. For the money, there's no way that cigar's worth it. No. I mean, for 18, 19 bucks a stick. Is it that high now? Oh, yeah. I haven't smoked one in a while. I think it was 15 when I smoked the last yeah, one. Yeah, they're 18, 19 bucks a stick right now. For 18, 19 bucks a stick, there's no way that cigar is worth it at all. And we, when we were at the show, we went through all the rigmarole of what, because we did have people come in here yeah. that asked for Tabernacle. And the barrier to entry of getting foundation cigars in your shop is too great. And it's it's for a hope that you get Tabernacle too, right? right? You have what to carry four of their lines. So you And get, Charter Oak doesn't count towards that. Well, Charter Oak can count as one. Yeah. But you couldn't count like Charter Oak Connecticut, Charter Count Hebano, Charter gotcha. you know, it can only be that. So you gotta carry two or three things that are probably not gonna sell in the hopes that when the allocation for the tabernacle comes through you get a shot at it. Right. Now, what we did instead is we said, okay, fine, we won't carry them, and he just put in an order with his distributor, make less money on them, but he'll have the cigar they want. Right. I know, which really worked. But I will say, I mean, this Halloween cigar, it's serviceable. I don't think it's bad. I was concerned that I was going to have to... I've actually got extra cigars in my pocket in case I had to throw this into the drainage ditch and smoke something else. It's not bad. Yeah, it's it's not bad. I I wouldn't probably smoke another one. Uh, now this is off, you know, just the first inch or so. Like I'm, I, I, I haven't really given it a fair shake yet. But I mean, it's it's fine. Yeah, it's 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 moving in the right direction. It's got a flavor profile that I can't quite put my finger on. You know, it's affectionately called the peanut butter cup. Yeah, I it's, and I and I I kind of it, it's kind of that mouth sensation, not yeah. necessarily that flavor. Yeah. But it, it there's it's it's a, a savory sweet yeah. kind of thing going on. Yeah, and it's a you know it's Dominican, it's Dominican um, binder filler, wrappers Maduro. I mean it's it's all Dominican cigars. I, so I, it's not bad. It's made in the William Ventura factory. Yeah, I could have told you it was Dominican, but beyond that, I couldn't have. Yeah, not I mean not bad. I'm I'm not totally disappointed. In it so okay. Back to my my complaints about the world. Have you ever noticed? That there are people that live their life perpetually as a salmon trying to up swim upstream and found a place to mate and die. <laughs> I, I'm gonna need context. <laughs> okay, my poker game. Uh huh. So, so it's funny. The poker game, Mon- Tuesday night, as the commissioner, I have the commissioner's address before the poker game. And I stood up to address the masses. And I said, listen, management of the shop and I agree, have said, let's keep a lid on the profanity, fellas. If you can't play cards without screaming profanities at the top of your lungs during the game, then go find you a game in a barn somewhere and don't bother us. Yeah. And all, because it, it had got where, I don't know, I don't know why people think it's okay just to blurt out profanity in a public location. Well, and it's, you know, we talked 
on the previous show kind of about knowing your audience, right? And I can understand... <laughs> It's a way to christen the mic. I like that. It's a good thing we don't have the covers on them anymore. You just set this on fire like Tim Hall. I, I think there's... So knowing your audience, I think there's an expectation that when you're in a cigar shop, it's primarily a male-dominated place, and you think you can get away with that sort of thing. And I, you know, there's, There are different levels of profanity, but I think anytime you get to the point where you're shouting it, which is what typically happens in a poker game, right? It's you get a bad beat and you shout at the top of your lungs, right. something like that. That's if the guys were just sitting casually around the table telling dirty jokes, that's a completely different story. Um, especially if you know the history behind the owners here. Like it just seems like it would be a lot more respectful to try and minimize that. Well, and I made that announcement with a couple of things in mind. I'm trying to get... So what I've nurtured here from the get-go at this shop is how do you create a cigar environment in a cigar shop where people feel ownership of that cigar shop but not entitlement. Right. And the way you do that is through the age-old custom of guest rights. You encourage people to treat it as if they're a guest at this place. Not they came in here and spent eight bucks on a cigar, so they now own the shop for the next hour and a half. Right. You try to encourage people to come in and be a good guest. Hey, please enjoy a cigar, be our guest, and everything's great. And that, and that's how you try to cultivate that. Right. And that's what I'm trying to cultivate, because if you went to a friend's shop, a friend's house, you wouldn't scream profanities out in the middle of his living room, would you, and wake the kids? <laughs> Probably not. Hopefully not. So I'm, I make that announcement. And, of course, there's always one. Yeah. There's always one guy. Well, this guy shows up at 7.01. Is this the same? Same guy. And I, He's already on your list. Yeah. He's already, and he shows up at 7.01 to play. And I am so pissed. I am so pissed. But I had to be intellectually honest. If Jay or somebody I liked had walked in at 701, would I have told him no? No. Yeah. So I had to let him in. Had you started at that point? No, he was he was just moments away. Okay. If I hadn't have made the announcement, we'd have been dealing and I could have told him to go away. But I had to make the profanity announcement. So I let him in the game. And... Tell him the profanity rule because he's one of the chief ones right. about it. And all. So, of course, firsthand, firsthand, cards come out, start dealing, and I draw a straight flush on the flop. Oh, my gosh. Flop a straight flush. Well, the guy across from me, Pete, and you know Pete, yeah. goes all in. He has top two pair. He th- He's playing Pete's game. He goes yeah. all in. So it comes to me, and I calmly push all in. Well, then another guy beside me, he pushes all in because he's chasing the nut flush. Sorry, y'all, this ain't the poker cast, but I'm, it, I'm getting to the point of this story as quickly as possible. Most people will follow this, I think. So flop my cards over, and I flop the straight flush. Now, me being a gentleman of dignity, and I, I just acted like I'd been there before right. and raked the chips in. Well, there was no matter of skill that got you to that point. Right, right. It's pure luck. Yeah. There, there was no strategy where There's I was no need to be smug in that. that scenario. No. So I just racked the chips in like a gentleman. Of course, they all want to scream out profanities because they've never seen a straight flush on the flop. I guess. Right. And also, it's like everything this week has just been testing me. <laughs> I have just been pushed in all. You know. You, so are you the one going up? Are you the salmon going upstream at this point? Oh, or? no. It's the jerk that shows up at 701. It's the people that can't understand why I don't want them swearing at the poker table. It's just I, how easy, how much easier would your life be? I want to ask these. If idiots. you could just do it doggy fashion. Well, well that's it. <laughs> but I want to ask these guys, say, how easy would your life be if instead of coming into somewhere and always being the problem? You came in somewhere and everybody was happy to see you. Yeah. Would that not be a better life? Did you ever watch the show Boardwalk Empire? No. Okay. Then I will not make draw the connection. Well, so, there's a chance that somebody listening to us well, did. So, but it's 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 tenuous. I'll try and make it make it quick. There's I'm I'm currently I think in season two or season three, and a new character shows up 
who's kind of disrupting things, but the operations between Atlantic City and New York. And the, the character's whole purpose in life is to get offended by absolutely doggone everything. And in like something as innocuous as, you know, he and the main character make peace. And as he's going on his way, he says, good luck. What does that guy mean by telling me good luck? Is he and and it just becomes he makes up this whole scenario where he's being undermined by what was a, a friendly gesture at saying goodbye. Right. It's that kind of thing. There's there are people like that in the world, and I don't get it. I don't. I don't. It seems like your life would be easier without it, and then. But of course, this is not limited. This is also my customers have these problems where they call me and I explain it to them and they don't listen. I told a guy this week, I said, this is a house. You are not buying a 1969 Volvo and trying to haggle with a used car dealer. This is what stuff costs. This is it. Yeah. No amount of you talking, hemming, or hawing is going to make this contractor build this house for you for less. Because the problem is he wants more house than he can afford, and he wants me to magically make the square footage go away, and then his contractor to magically say, hey, I'm going to build this one for free, Mm -hmm. and him get a deal. And I just, I I finally told him, I said, this is not a used car lot. This is homes. And then, sorry, everybody, but this is my final complaint. (laughs) And in all the years you've known me, um, what has happened? What happens every November upon which my life revolves around? Deer season. Absolutely. And if you were, say, married to me for 24 oh, years, <laughs> you know she's going to hear this, right? Yes. That's part of the plan. If you had been married to me for 24 years, November 23rd of this year, and someone said, hey, we want to throw a special surprise party for so and so. On Friday night, you know, the one right before rifle season opens. Oh. Would you remotely expect that I would attend that? <laughs> I see, I I I'm absolutely between a rock and a hard place because my default position is always to side with your wife. But yeah, I mean that's it's so yeah. any any other weekend during hunting season, you could potentially make an accommodation. It was a friend you cared about enough. If it was a if it was something you cared about enough, but the first weekend of rifle season, Shane doesn't exist. Right, first weekend of rifle season, I'm going to spend with Matilda in my deer stand, and it's just that you know, 356 days a year. 353 of them I can do, I will do anything in the world for my wife. And she picks number 354 <laughs> to be the time she wants to go to this blankety blanket party. <laughs> oh, so, so it's not even you guys throwing the party. It was an it, it was an invite to someone. Absolutely. So okay, but but at least then it's not like well, she was in the planning stages of this party too. Yeah, early on she could have how how close are you with the people putting on this party that your related. your availability could have dictated the the date related yes but i know your family would they have changed the date for you absolutely okay and it was not my family it's her family okay and if it's my family they would have known hey deer season <laughs> <laughs> they they'd have known that there would there would have never been a question we'd have had the party back in october or you know, September yeah. or something like that. But anyway, okay, I'm done. I'm done. This is the end of the Shane complaining segment of the cigar cast. I have now got that off my chest. <laughs> you all. came in hot. I <laughs> oh man, I did, I needed I needed to vent it we, out. We haven't even gotten to soccer or baseball yet. We'll but, save that for the second half of the show. Yeah, soccer or baseball is gonna have to have to come in later. We got we ought to talk about a cigar or two and all. So a modern problem. A complete nightmare. Tampa cigar shop plagued by fake Google reviews. Now, did you read this article? I did. So this is an interesting form of ransom. Hey, pay us X dollars or we're going to bot you with fake reviews to death. That's a 
that's kind of is that not such a modern stand? Because I, I mean, I don't guess it's against the law. Is that extortion? It is. is. It? It's libel. Um, well, so d- different part. We need to have an attorney on the show who can who can help explain this. But from from what I understand, if if there's substantial evidence to prove that these are fraudulent reviews, then yes, it's it's a clear cut case of, of libel. I think libel is when you lie in print, right? There's slander, yeah. slander Slanders, and libel. Yeah. yeah. So there's a case, but at the same time, it, all of these review sites, Yelp being the worst offender, are kind of legalized extortion. So if, if I know you own your own business, but you really, it's all word of mouth. Care. You don't, yeah, you don't care and you, you don't really get, people don't Google, you know, Reeves Homes or, or whatever and then da da da. Anyway. My brain stopped working for a second. But so Yelp has different tiers where you can pay them and they'll show your, you know, your 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 place to more people. They'll promote it on the site. And what they don't really advertise is that they make it a lot easier for you to get rid of negative reviews or bury them if you pay them. Sure. And it's it's absolutely extortion. And Google does the same thing. They're, oh, there's no way we, we don't remove bad reviews. It's, yeah, if you spend enough with Google, they will they will take bad reviews right. down. But that doesn't benefit the scammer in this case. And it almost sounds more like a, like a PR hitman. Yeah, so this is Cathedral Cigars in Tampa, which I've been to. Grand Cathedral Cigars. Been there. It's a beautiful place. Built in an old church. Um I didn't notice anything. I thought, but I smoked the house blend, and I didn't price shop it hard. Right. Um, but seemed like a you know seemed like everything was perfectly adequate. And I'll you know for a cigar shop in the middle of the United States, it's probably awesome. For a cigar shop in Tampa, where there are so many, it's probably a little little tougher tougher clientele to please. But these people have been bombarding. Grand Cathedral cigars with negative reviews after they chose not to pay the ransom, yeah. per se. And I guess that's... But here's the thing. Have we all not ran enough reviews at this point in life that we just look at... I, I mean, when I'm going to get an Amazon item, I look down the reviews, and if I see 15 five stars and one one star, I don't even read the one star. See, I'm, I have I'm, nothing for him. I'm di- if we're talking about a sample size of 16 reviews, sure. But on the flip side of this is that there are tons of companies out there who pay for favorable reviews of their products. And Amazon is really bad about this, uh, about a lot of the positive reviews either being for other products that they change the listing so that all of the old reviews stay, but it's a different right. item. Uh, but uh, you know, so I. But you can usually tell if a negative review is a valid concern or not. Yeah, have we not all kind of tuned up our BS meters at yeah. this point? I mean, with the amount of information out there, I like to think that 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 part of my anatomy is finally tuned and finally honed. Yeah, I, I feel like mine mine is too. I can usually read, you know, if. If I'm looking for, you know, a phone case and there are a handful of people that say I dropped it out of a helicopter and it was fine and three people that say my three-year-old got a hold of it and my phone was dead two minutes later, I'm, I'm probably more inclined to, you know, believe the validity of, of those reviews as opposed to, yeah, it works great. Yeah, and, you know, the review, the th- for me, I usually read the three stars. On a five-star system... I usually ignore the fives, I ignore the ones, I read the threes. Because the threes are the people that have actually evaluated it. Right. They're middle of the road. Hey, here's the pros, here's the cons. Yeah. And the three-star review is the, the gold standard. That's what I really like about BH Photo Video. It's a, it's a shop based out of Manhattan that does a lot of great photo and video and audio pro-audio equipment. It's where we've gotten a lot of our equipment for the show. And in addition to just the star in the review, pros and cons. And in, in, it actually, ha- there's AI involved that pulls the language out of the review and says, these are the things they said were good, these are the things they were bad. And so you can search all those, and I love that. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, but it's an interesting article that that sort of thing is going on, and I'm but, interested too. The guy said he was paid four hundred dollars for that. That's an easy four hundred dollars. It is. That's a. It makes me want to get on Upwork and maybe <laughs> maybe take a couple of gigs. <laughs> maybe take out a couple of contracts on local cigar lounges. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> Tasty freeze. I don't know. Whatever it takes. But you know. Tasty freeze. Tasty, yeah. Thanks, Grandpa. Nineteen forty-two. All of a sudden, I don't know where that take, came from. Get off the Davenport, take the Studebaker down to the Tasty Freeze. Why don't you? <laughs> but anyway, okay. So one more short one before we jump to the break. And all, I feel myself getting better all this, all of a sudden. And uh, let's talk about the Placencia Alma Fuerta. Colorado Claro Ecuadorio. Did you end up adding that to the notes? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes, I added the proper leak to the note. Okay, so here's where this comes from. I'm at the cigar show. Me and Marker, we go to the Placencia booth. I don't know why Placencia had sold just fine in the shop and we already had way more of them than we needed, but Mark wanted to go by the booth, say hi. I understand, got to make an appearance. Well, they were offering this cigar, the Alma Fuerta Colorado Claro Eduardo. Now, this is the hexagon cigar round. Yeah, it was the. It was originally called the Sixto. But here's my question: It's the same price as the Sixto. So, was the shape so offensive that you just you thought that you would jump on? I mean, if it was, was a little four, cumbersome. If this was four bucks cheaper. Then I would say, okay, good idea. They maybe they, not four bucks, but I I agree. The 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 care and the effort that goes into making this is going to be less than a hexagon pressed cigar. Yes, although the box presses do most of the work, but it, it still requires a, an additional level of detail. So maybe not four bucks, a buck cheaper. Okay, but the hexagon shape it looks great in the box. It looks great on the shelf. It feels good in the hand. It was a little cumbersome to smoke. More so than a regular box press. Kind of like sucking on a stop sign? A little bit. Yeah. And I, I mean, I smoked one of them, and, but I, I didn't care for the cigar. The shape wouldn't have made any difference to me. See, my, my issue with it is the fact that it's a 6x60 still. Right. Because I, cause I honestly can't tell you to be sure whether or not the cumbersome nature of, of smoking that cigar was due to the shape or to the size. Cause I don't really smoke six by sixties that often. And, and so I wonder how much of it maybe have been due to the size. If they had gone to like a, a six by 58 Toro or something like that, six by 56. Well, this one is going to be a six and a quarter by 54 Toro. Oh, I, Oh, I was reading the wrong part of the article. This This is what happens when I don't prep. This will be a six and a quarter by 54 Toro. Yeah, perfect. But it's still $20.60 a stick. Check local listings. Um, (laughs) But that's what Placencia does. Like, they they don't make anything less than $20. Well, the the 146, the 147 series, those those but are work. But they're still up they're, there. They're still higher than, than an average. The Alma Fuerte line, the uh, Alma whatever line. Yeah, there's a Alma couple, Fuego, Alma, yeah, yeah whatever. Th- those are all $20 cigars. You know what you're getting into. The Alma, Alma Corvair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody were to make a line of cigars out of really bad cars, like the Gremlin and the, the Corvair. Yeah, the um, what was the, the Back Pacer? to the Future car? DeLorean. The DeLorean. Yeah, they were to make they were to make a string of cigars. <laughs> Surely somebody makes a DMC twelve. That sounds like what the German company would name one of their cigars. Yeah, absolutely. But but anyway, so and it's interesting because what happened here at this shop was we're going to get a bell and every time I say it's interesting I want you to ring it so that I quit saying that so much during the shop. All right. Uh, during the show we were listening to it on the way somewhere the other day and I ca- I said, "Man, I bet I said it's interesting 18 times." Well, you that just hour. leave an in- live live lead an interesting life. That's what it is. And I'm anxious to share it with all around me. So the Placencias, when this shop was took over, when the uh, new owners bought this shop, the humidor was a shamble. And they had to get sticks in the humidor. So all the big box sticks were the people we called that said, yes, we can have you 10 boxes tomorrow. We can have you 20 boxes tomorrow. We can get the sticks into your humidor in a heartbeat. So the first six months of this shop's existence, 
as Mission Cigars, it was mostly big box stuff. That was yeah. pretty much, there was no craft stuff because we didn't have time to get any craft stuff in. Yeah. You know, we, we had to get cigars, you know, get butts in the seat in a hurry. Then the first boutique style cigar that come in here was Placencia. Mm-hmm. And they blew out, you know, blew it out of the water. Because everybody was kind of past the big box stuff and was right. craving they wanted the something different. Stuff. Yeah. And now what's happened is now that we've got the Germans in and the Lagaleras and the Hiram and Solomon and all of the other good boutique stuff in that's three to five dollars a stick cheaper than the Placencia. At a now, minimum. Yeah, now we got a ton of Placencia laying around yeah. the humidor in there. Yeah, but Placencia is one of those that it, it's got a target audience. It's not gonna it's going to sell at the same rate as your Opus, your Ligas, your Padron 26s. Like it, 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 you don't expect those to fly off the shelf. Yes, but it's not going to sell at that same rate here. Maybe not. And, I mean, in, some, in most shops, yeah, you're probably correct. Well, it's good. you burn everyone's palate out on it. Right. Yeah. Right. It kind of came, came in with such a flurry and everybody smoked, them, smoked their belly full of them. Yep. And all, and it's it's kind of interesting. That's the life cycle of a humidor. Yeah, yeah. You you think it's the greatest thing ever? You know what they say about business: the worst thing in business is to have not enough business, and the second worst thing is to have too much. Right. And that's kind of what this this whole situation is broke down to with the Placentias. But anyway, let's take a break. All right, let's do that. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from Trey Dedman, who is to cigars what Stephen Hawking is to Olympic bowl vaulting. Good to see you. I still second screwed time, it up. Second time's a charm. Still screwed it up on the second time. You may have to put the first one. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going <laughs> as a teaser for the show or something like that, where everybody can know that I'm not perfect all the time. I, know, uh, I, know I don't think you t- were ever in danger of people thinking that. Okay. So let me tell you about the great cigar weight experiment that we conducted here at this shop. How interesting was it? Terribly, (laughs) terribly, completely, absolutely illuminating and enlightening. Um, So if you look through the window there, you can see Keith Johnson sitting there at the chair. Yeah. He's who I was arguing that I'll no longer pretend soccer is interesting. Um, he, He and I were smoking one day. And I went to get a cigar and Glenda said, are you going to have four today? I said, no, no, no. I've had two Robustos, and two Robustos I don't count as a whole cigar. <laughs> and he said, I, don't, I, I count two Robustos as, as one, one, cigar. one whole cigar. But this set off the chain of events, because he said, no, no, that is a cigar. Robusto is a cigar. I said, no, 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 no. Robusto is not a cigar. So we get Monty involved. Monty is a chemist by trade and is a professor. And Monty's a very, very smart man in addition to being an owner here at the shop. Right. We get him involved. And he said, okay, we've got to have a controlled experiment. So he grabs the pipe tobacco scale, I'm guessing. Right, the digital pipe tobacco scale. And he said, okay, Shane, you go in there and pick out the Robusto, Toro, and Gordo of your favorite stick. Keith, you go in there and pick out the Robusto Gordo Toro, your favorite stick, and I'll go in there and pick out the Robusto Gordo Toro of my stick. So I picked the Africa, mm-hmm. and I got the Robusto Gordo Toro. Keith took the Placencia. Okay. He got the 146, the Robusto Gordo Toros, and then Monty got the um, Pearl de Mars Robusto Gordo Toro. Okay. So we had a great section because we had the lowest end of the spectrum at Pearl de Mar. We had the medium end of the spectrum with the the Africa, Africa. high end of the spectrum with the Placencia, as we were discussing earlier. Was this weighed metric or imperial? Grams. Okay. Metric. Yeah. And I didn't write down the grams. I'm just going to give you the summary. So I'm I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Please. But make your guesses. I am guessing that... From one size to the next was a difference of a, of less than 25 grams. Okay, let's break it down this way. So, if a Gordo is one cigar, how many Robustos in a Gordo? One and a quarter. So, uh, it would take 
what it would take two Gordos to equal three Robustos. So okay. do the math. So I was pretty close. That You're would have been one point three. Yeah, and then two Toros was slightly less than two Gordos. So three Toros was a little over two Gordos. Right. So the truth of the matter is where I would like to say, okay, half a cigar is a Robusto, a full cigar is a Toro, and a cigar and a half is a Gordo. That To me, that would be the scale with which to balance it out, but that's not the way it works. It's approximately three Robustos to one Gordo. To two Gordos. Yeah, to two Gordos, excuse me. Three Robustos to two Gordos. Yeah. So a, a one and a quarter scale between the sizes. But now here's the... Here's the other fascinating part of that um, experiment. You know, the grams were exactly the same on the Toro Africa as the Toro Placencia as the Toro Pearl de Mar, and exactly the same on the Robusto and the Gordo. That that, that actually doesn't surprise me that much. That shocked me that across three companies, it would in three price brackets, that, it would be that consistent. And we're we're you're saying exactly, not plus or minus one, like exactly. Yeah, as okay. as ag, to the to the degree of accuracy with which we could weigh them on a tobacco scale. That's okay. I wouldn't have expected them to be that close. I yeah. would have expected them to be plus or minus a gram on either side. Yeah, to to the degree that we could we could evaluate that. Yeah. That's what they were. But it was it was a fascinating few minutes of of cigar time and of course i i proudly ad- admitted i was wrong i'm at the age i don't mind being wrong yeah matter of fact a lot of times i would rather be wrong you know there's a lot of things that i see happening and coming forth that i say boy i hope i'm wrong about this i hope this don't happen the way that i think it's fixing to happen yeah at all so but i thought that was so if you were wondering how to calculate your daily intake of cigars if you're shooting for three cigars a day, <laughs> then first you have to decide, is three cigars a day, three Gordos a day, or is three cigars a day, three Toros a day? Which for, and that's, you know, I like the Toro. You know, it, it's perfectly middle of the road. But the Robustos have really come on in my life. Yeah. Because it seems like some cigars just are a better flavor in Robusto. They probably are, but when I finish a Robusto, I want another cigar. Bar none. Right. It's not a satisfying experience. I never finish a Robusto and feel, okay, I'm good. I'm smoked out for the day. I I can do that with a Toro. Uh, You know, it's just, so that's part of it. But I feel like it may have been the episode we did way back when in in the spring or it may have been the one we did a couple of weeks ago but we were actually talking about the fact that the reason that the difference in price between a robusto and a gordo is only 75 cents is because the the weight of the tobacco is not what's the cost it's the bigger box it's the labor it's the everything else yeah the tobacco is the least expensive part of the cigar the right. labor and if you look at how much labor goes into a cigar it's a miracle we get them at the price we do mm-hmm I mean, it's really impressive that we do. And uh, All right, so let's talk about a story close to home. Nashville, Tennessee, from WTVF Fox News, or no, News Channel 5. They're on your side. Smoking in, not, in most Nashville bars could soon be a thing of the past. Um, basically, the bill's on its final reading to say, hey, we don't care if you own the place. We don't care if you pay your taxes. We don't care... Who you vote for, we don't care anything about your personal rights. We're going to say you can't have smoking in your bar. So, here, this story is exactly why people like you and I get up in arms about the FTA regulations over the cigar industry and the, the proposed compromises and things like that. Because... What do we all, what have we said for the last five years that if you give them a compromise, that just tells them that they can take more later. So I remember I was already smoking cigars when the tobacco, when the smoking ban passed in Tennessee. For, for our younger listeners, uh, the inside of a Waffle House used to have a constant fog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I think the food tasted better then too. But it was in 2007 when... Tennessee, being one of the later states to do it, passed an indoor smoking ban 
with the exception of uh, this was the caveat. If you're 21 and up, if you're an age-restricted right. location, 21 and up establishment. you can allow smoking. Didn't say you have to allow smoking. Right. It said you have the ability to. There were, you know, so most of your bars, obviously your cigar shops went 21 and up immediately. But even some restaurants decided, okay, we get more business out of our, you know, it was a business decision. Our smoking section generates more revenue than our non-smoking section. So we're going to go age-restricted and allow it. And they quickly reverse that position. So here we are. I'm not going to do the math that quick, but 13, 15 years later. Sure. And now that's not good enough. You already, you already gave the compromise. You gave us something. And now you're saying, yeah, we're taking it back. Well, okay. Play devil's advocate for me. Okay. And I'll, because I can't understand why. I think everything should be a choice of if it's, you know, if I can choose, you know, the whole argument during COVID was the mask thing. I never complained to a single place that required you to wear a mask to go in because it was my choice whether or not to go in there. Right. And I chose not to go into a lot of those establishments until the mask thing was lifted. And then they got the return of my business. Free market economy at its very best. And all. I should I should not be forced, and nor should they be forced, to play to my sensitive sensitivities. Same thing here. If you don't, there's plenty of bars that don't allow smoking in them. Right. And if you want to go to a bar that doesn't allow smoking, there are plenty of options. Tons of options. Why can there not be? What what possible damage does it do for a bar to be able to offer smoking? Right. It, it's. It, because it's it is absolutely a business decision, especially at this day and age where smoking is so vilified. Whether we're talking about cigars or cigarettes, and let's not even talk about the fact that most of the places that you can still smoke inside, you still can't smoke cigars. They won't allow it because they claim the smoke either smells bad or is bad on their ventilation equipment, which is horseshit. But anyway, the. The fact is, these people have made a business decision that says it's more valuable to their business to allow the people who want to smoke in a bar to allow them to come in. It's not like you're walking in and they're forcing a Newport in your hand. Right. It's not like saying that you have to smoke to come into this bar. Right. And I just, I don't get it. I don't get, I don't get what's, usually you can see, okay, there's something in it for some politician somewhere to outlaw this. And I can't, I can't figure out what's in it for them. I'm sure it's just an easy win. I'm, I'm sure it's just an easy win saving the children who, even if you're not in those places, the smoke permeates and they still get seventh-hand smoke. And I'm sure it's something like that. Well, it's just it's silly to me. You know, now, I'm perfectly content for restaurants to be non-smoking. I always, when I went to restaurants back in the day, I would say, no, I want non-smoking section. Now, that didn't really matter because the non-smoking section was just five foot from the smoking section. With no barrier, no wall, no nothing. All the non-smoking section meant was, I'm not going to smoke while I'm sitting there. (laughs) When when Texas, I was living there at the time, when they passed their tobacco ban, they did something that I thought was really brilliant, which is... You're smoking. You were still allowed to have a smoking section in a restaurant, but it had to have an exterior grade door and barrier between the smoking and non-smoking section. And so, typically, what they would do is they would wall up the bar area, and you know. And I thought that was brilliant. You know, obviously, if people go in and out from the sections, you get some of that smell or, or you get some smoke. And I think at one point. In Tennessee, you it was similar, but you could not have an egress between the two sections. It had to be a full exterior grade partition between the right. But you know, it's just yeah, just just let people enjoy things. Well, and just let people decide for themselves. Let the market dictate it. Yeah. Nobody, if you run a business and nobody wants to come in it because you allow smoking, you know, Ember's Bar and Grill here in Columbia, Tennessee, is a perfect example. Until a year ago, Ember's Bar and Grill was smoking, and it was smoking all the time. And if I was in the mood to go in there, and I knew when I walked in there, that's what I was going to deal with. Yeah. 
I knew that was part of going to Embers. And so I went there considerably less than I did when they said, hey, now only smoking after 9 o'clock. Okay. After, after all the family food and the dinners have been served when we're actually become a bar, then we'll let you smoke. But no smoking before 9 o'clock. See, and I'm, I'm fine with that, too. Great business model for them. Yeah. Took care of them. Government has no point in being part of these decisions. Right. And all. It just drives me nuts. So let's talk about something that at the time I thought was a good idea, and now I don't think is. Cigar advent calendars. Oliva's doing one. Tatawahe's doing one. Tatawahe actually is releasing the 21 and the 22 this year because it didn't get out last year. Right. When these came out, and that regular listeners from back will remember, I was in favor of this. I thought this was a great ideal. But I don't think it's a good ideal now. But I look at it so different now because I've been doing so much volunteer work here at the mission that I really understand that side of the business. And I look at this and I say, okay, how many people are going to commit to smoking one Tatawahe cigar a day? Well, you don't even really have to do that. There's no law that says once you crack the box, you have to smoke the cigar. No, but in my world. And, and, yes, but think, think about it this way. The, the Tatawahe, because they have them at my home shop too. The Tatawahe box is 219 or something like that. And you get 24 cigars or 25 cigars. So you get 25 cigars for $219. From Tatawahe, that's already a good deal. But what's the the? Okay, sorry. Carry on. Let me let you finish your thought. That I'm gonna. In counter. addition to that, some of them are limited runs, special editions, things that you know cost upwards of twenty dollars to begin with. Or I, I think there might even be one in that pack that you can only get in that pack. So if you're a Tatawahe fan, and I'm not even a huge Tatawahe fan, but I considered it because it's a great deal. Okay. First, you're going to get various sizes. Yeah. I would love to see the exact size breakdown, how many Robustos, how many Toros, how many, you know. But as we've talked about previously, the price difference in the price value between the bigger sizes and the... My biggest complaint is I guarantee you there's a Lancero in there somewhere, and that's going to suck. Yeah. And, um, well, here you go. Tatawahe 2021 Advent Calendar is a total of 24 cigars, all which measure four and a half by 46. Okay. So, petite coronas. <laughs> yeah. That's a horse of a different color. Yeah. And here's the thing. For the same money, I can buy a box of the cigar I want and the size I want. That's true. So, also, looking at it from a retail perspective, this is a narrow window market. The people that are going to want to buy this Advent calendar are going to want to buy it during Advent. Right. Well, no, you got to buy it before. Well, before and during is... There's a back end on this. Oh, yeah, yeah. December 2nd comes around, you're not selling these anymore. Yeah. And it takes a weird space in the humidor. Yeah. It kind of sets awkwardly in the humidor. Where are you going to present these? What are you going to push these over? You know... Are you going to push these over something that you know is you know going to sell and going to be there all the time? You know, it, one of the most um, exciting things that happened at the show. <laughs> we'll need a glossary <laughs> to get away from saying thesaurus. Yeah, thesaurus. That's it. <laughs> hey, who are you calling a thesaurus? <laughs> I'm, I'm old, but come on, my <laughs> Anyway, um, that's a great joke. <laughs> um, we were at the show. And the people, Peter James, that make my case was there. All right. And Peter James, the cases, they had them out, and I told him how much I loved the cigar, the Peter James You've cigar case. You've had three years now. Yeah. yeah. And look, it still looks brand spanking new. Yeah. My wife has one. Hers do. You know, I still... It has worn in a lot better than the Africa version. Right. Yeah, it's just a little higher quality. Yeah. Higher, well, higher a little quality more product. supple leather. Yeah. But um, beautiful cases, wonderful things. And we're there, and I said, and I get to talking to the guy, the Peter James guy, and I said, you know, what about getting them in the shop? What's it take? He said, okay, so you order four, you get the fifth one free. 
and it's a Keystone product, just like everything else is. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, so we're going to tie up a grand. To put these cases in the shop, we're going to tie up a grand of capital. Yeah. To put these in the shop. And I had to think about it. What's the market for a $400 cigar case? It's narrow. Here, I think you could get away with it. How... You know, we always call it paying rent in the humidor. Right. Is that cigar paying its rent in the in, in the space in the humidor? Because if it's not paying its rent in the space in the humidor, it's going to be evicted. Mm-hmm. It's going to be put in the, the 30% off bin and evicted fairly quick, or the $6 bin, whichever's cheaper. Um, so I look at this, I'm like, okay, this $1,000 that we tie up in these Peter James cases that optimistically is going to take a year to get our money back. Right that's going to always have to be managed. They're all, we're not set up to sell cigar cases. Right. It's going to take the man behind the counter. We're going to have to keep him behind the counter because you're not going to leave $400 cases sitting out there right. for everybody. So, Especially not where you keep the accessories right by the front door. Yeah, and everybody that wants one is going to have to ask the guy working at the counter to, to pull it down and tie up his time that he could be selling a beer and all that. And when you run the numbers... It did not, there was no way that there was enough profit in those cases to keep them on our shelves. Yeah. And I think the advent calendars fall into that same category. I mean, from, from that perspective, I, I, I totally get your point. I, I still think it's a great idea. I, I don't love the cost uh, or, or the, the size, rather. I, I think it's still a pretty good deal. It, when you think of what you get f- from a cigar, like I said, especially if you're a Tatawahe fan. I think this is kind of like the Monster series, right? You're going to have people that go out and seek these out because it's Tatawahe, because it's something new and special and different. I don't know that this attracts 90% of the cigar market. I think it's 10% of people at the most that would be interested and maybe 1% that would buy it. It almost has to be a deal that gets creatively marketed in such a way that the cigar shop doesn't have to carry them on hand where the Tatuaje says, hey, for everyone you pre-order, you get the limited edition, you know, Tatuaje pinky ring or whatever, where you you have to kind of pre-sell. Sounds like a Matt Booth deal. Yeah, it does. But I smoked his new cigar too, by the way. Have you smoked it yet? Nope. I don't smoke his stuff. (laughs) It's not very good. I'm can't say I'm surprised <laughs> at all. But anyway, so I just thought that was interesting. We were talking about, see there, I said it again. We were talking about the advent calendars. You know, we saw about the Oliva ones when the Oliva guy was yeah. here doing the event. And I just, there's no space. Yeah. And, and also the Oliva ones for me, those cigars aren't interesting enough to justify an advent calendar personally. I love Oliva cigars and I smoke them a lot. But I don't know of anybody who's enough of an Oliva fan that they would want to tie up that much of their personal capital in an, in an advent calendar for stuff that they can just walk in and buy. Well, and who wants to be that committed? Right. Who wants to be that committed that, oh, because you know me, I would have to smoke one every day. Mm-hmm. I could not fathom a... Let yourself get behind. Right. Yeah, I couldn't... I couldn't if I still had cigars in that calendar in March, I would feel like I failed. Yeah. Now, that's probably my problem more than it's Tatawahe's. It, it is, but it really it only takes one. Because I will say about Tatawahe, and we're spending in way too much time on this, but at least with their cigars, like you could pick up an unbranded Tatawahe, and you wouldn't necessarily know it was a Tatawahe. You know, there there's some wide variability between the flavor profiles of their various cigars. As opposed to an A.J. Fernandez, which if you put an A.J. Fernandez in your mouth, you know you've got an A.J. blended cigar. I love that about A.J., but I say that to say, you know, it's not all the same cigar. So at the end of 24 days, the likelihood of you having palate fatigue from that brand is fairly low. Yeah. But Oliva, you would get, by you, the end of yeah. that, you'd be like, I'm not smoking. It, it would be Oliva. like you smoked through a box of yeah, Olivas. I, I wouldn't smoke another Oliva until I advent the next year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'll, so, oh yeah, by the way, who does a worse job of branding their cigars, Tatawahe or Illusione? 
No, see, I love that about both of them. So, Illusione, at least you can tell when you pick up the cigar what it is. Uh, so I'd say Tatawahi does a worse job. Now, I love the fact that it's no frills packaging, but I really hate that they have two cigars that have identical bands, just a simple brown little band. You have no idea which one it is. I don't ask a lot. At least tell me the name of the cigar right. on the band. I want the name of the cigar on the band. I want the name of the cigar on the box. And that's really it. That's, now, that's all I need. If you if you want to make my day, put the blender's name on the box. <laughs> if you if you want, no one's make taking my you up day. on that yet. No, not yet. But well, I, I'm starting a motion. Yeah, I, I'm I'm starting a a groundswell of support for this ideal of knowing who the blender is. But yes, can we? That that's been the problem with selling. Then it has affected Tatawahe's sales in this shop. The fact that the Tatawahe's we have in this shop all look kind of very similar. Yeah. And you can't... When somebody when you walk in and say, hey, what are you smoking, Tatawahi? Which one? I don't know. I don't know. Well, one up there. And I'll... I'll that, have to show you where the box is. Yeah, that that really hurts. Yeah. this I actually think this damages Tatawahi's marketing market share in cigar shops. It probably does. But again, they're one of those brands that really relies on their core demo uh, a lot like the way that you can tell that I'm out of practice. You keep saying everything's interesting. I keep saying, keep saying, um, but you know, a lot like Drew Estate used to be where it's the core demo that keeps them afloat. I think that's what has been Tatawahe's real, real benefit there. And you know, that's such a gamble because you're always in this day and age, just like we talked about earlier, check out this callback action. Just like we talked about earlier, the review system. You're always one move from alienating your core demo. Oh, yeah. If all your eggs are in that basket. Look at Gurkha as a perfect example. Now, that wasn't a review. That wasn't a marketing thing. It was the owner of the company being an idiot. But you're you're always one move, one wrong move from tanking your business and alienating your base. Yeah, I mean... You take so take two, a tale of two companies. Let's take two super successful companies. Let's take Perdomo and Drew Estate. All right. Drew Estate could, you know, to a certain degree, they already have alienated their their customer base with the sale to Swisher and then the um, canceling the events because of the COVID stuff. They've already yeah kind of alien. They I know they've got to have taken a cut in sales recently. Oh, I'm certain they'll never it. admit it, but I'm sure they have. Um, and, and then followed that up with a bunch of back orders. Right. And the trouble of and changing the diplomat program. They changed the diplomat program in a ridiculous manner. Right. And made it harder. But anyway, to, but, the, to the point. But they're, they're riding that line between alienating and, I mean, we could see Drew Estate collapse like a house of cards. We're already seeing Jonathan not take near the amount of FaceTime with the folks that he used to. Then you look at Perdomo. Perdomo is the everyman's cigar. It's never going to be the best cigar you've ever smoked. Nope. But you know exactly what you're in for every time you pick one up. It's going to be good every time. It's going to draw well. It's going to be consistent. The flavors from one to the next are always going to be, doesn't matter if you're different rollers, different boxes, whatever. And Nick and his son are outstanding human beings. I've never heard a soul say that jerk Nick Perdomo. Everybody nope. loves the Perdomos. Yes. They treat and, everyone that touches them like family. Right. They treat them well. They're nice people. They're a lot of fun. They're they're really great. You know, when we were at the show, um, I was running around getting appointments. because So first day at the show, we had an appointment an hour set up. That wasn't a great idea. We found out that an appointment an hour wasn't going to get us through a third of who all we wanted to meet. Yeah. So the second day, Mark had a meeting with Perdomo. I said, okay, meet with Perdomo. I'd love to sit and smoke with him, but I need to set us up some appointments. I need to hit us, get us lined out for the cigars, that we, the people we still need to talk to. Even if we're not buying their cigars tonight, the guys whose hand we need to shake and say, hey, we have a shop here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Yeah. And so I was running around doing all of that 
while Mark was there. So I didn't get to spend as much time. But when Mark sat down with Nick and his son, I apologize for not remembering his son's name. Nick. Is his son's Nick too? Yeah. Okay. Well, when he sat down with Nick and Nick, (laughs) um, they were very relaxed. They were very, you know, comfortable. The only, the funniest thing at the show is Padrone had this giant booth set up. Yeah. And so did Rocky and so did Perdomo and all that. Well, people would cut through the Rocky booth and they would cut through the Perdomo booth, but the Padrone booth was treated like hallow ground. Yeah. Everyone you would see walked people walk it. toward it and then walk around. It was it was really wild to yeah. see that kind of hallowed ground feel for That's the Perdomo funny. cigar or the Padrone cigar company. But no chance of alienating their base. Okay. Um, let's cover one last article. All right. And I'll holy smokes this from newswires so i blame this on the journalist in charge of writing this article not being a cigar smoker he doesn't know that every cigar he doesn't know that every cigar shop in at least in the south has a bible study and they all call it holy smokes and are are we overexposed to this because we're in the bible belt yes okay but yeah, and, and everybody treats it like it's this great joke, and they're the first guy that ever thought of holy smokes, <laughs> which which really shouldn't be that surprising because if you've ever sat in a cigar shop and someone starts telling a joke, that's pretty much the behavior of most of the people. And so everyone acts like the joke, even though I've heard it seventeen times before. You think you made the joke up, and it's the funniest thing in the world. So, what? Here's the th- here's my challenge to you for the next show, and I should have thought of this last week when I put these notes together. We need to come up with a list of new cigar shop Bible study names. There, ne- we need to provide a list, whether we put it on Facebook or wherever, for people. Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, somebody in the shop just had a heart attack because the ambulance is driving back here on the patio with us. Shadrach, Meshach, and a Robusto. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and they yeah. were locked in a furnace, so you get the whole flame, uh, the fire aspect. Yeah. Solomon. <laughs> Solomon's st- study. So- Solomon's light. Solomon's studies. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So we'll, for next week, let's make sure we make it a point to come up with some cigar Bible study nicknames. Yeah. That are not holy smokes. Because I'm ready to put a permanent embargo on calling your cigar store Bible study holy smokes. It, it, it should be outlawed. It, it absolutely should. We should absolutely have a, a gentleman's agreement in the cigar corp. We should start one and trademark it so that everybody else has to trade the, has to change theirs. <laughs> There'd be a holy smoke war. <laughs> Sometimes you take the easy ones. Yeah, well, it's, it happens. All right. Well, how do they get hold of us, Trey? You can reach us on Facebook.com slash The Cigar Cast. You can reach us at Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast. Email info at TheCigarCast.com. Well... First, let me thank everybody for sticking with us. We're getting the new show set up right. We're taking and we're getting everything set up where we can really enjoy it. Yeah, we uh, told you there were changes coming, and it hasn't felt like it yet, but they, they, they there will. We want, I want some feedback from our listener and <laughs> to know what what they can change. And, hey, recommend somebody to listen to the Cigar Cast for Yeah, us. absolutely. And rate us wherever. Drop us a five-star rating, hopefully. Uh, any Anywhere you're listening to it, it, it really helps us attract more people to the show. Yeah, because we can't pay the dude $400 to write yeah, exactly. good reviews for us. Exactly. And ship them out like we were talking about earlier. But until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who's what Stephen Hawking is to college pole vaulting. Wait, start over. <laughs> I screwed that one up big time. I really wish we could keep going. I really screwed that one up.